Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. If it's a Monday, you know what we're talking about on this feed. Another ATP Challenger-centric edition of the show from host Damian Kust and Jakob Bobro. On today's episode, they discuss Talon Griekspor's pursuit of Benjamin Bonsi's 2021 records. Griekspor earning his fifth challenger title last week. He trails Bonsi now by just one. Of course, they also discuss Dimitar Kuzmanov's maiden challenger title. They discuss the randomness that seems to determine who in amongst the challenger ranks ends up actually cracking the top 100 of the ATP rankings and so much more. It is a fantastic episode that I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy, of course, before we get to it. Quick reminder, daily recaps of all the action happening at Indian Wells on our mini break podcast feed picks each and every day on this feed, of course, Crack Rackets Match of the Day segments for our Crack Rackets Patreon family as well. If you are interested in finding out more about any of that content, head on over to our website, CrackRackets.com. Of course, like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, the Mini Break, the Cracked Interviews podcast, our Crack Rackets YouTube channel as well. But with all of that said, let's get to it. Another ATP Challenger-centric episode with host Damien Kust and Jakob Babra. Uh, hello and welcome to the next episode of the Challenger Podcast. I am once again joined by, joined by my friend Jakub, who did crazy well in the predictions this week. Uh, how are you feeling with you know now a healthy lead over me? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm very happy about about how I did with my predictions. Actually, I, I was feeling quite bad after Bonzi lost. I was like, oh no, it's going to be a, a rough week. But then you know, three the the rest were finalists, really at the very least. So so it's been a good week for me. Yeah. Yeah, so where do where do you want to start? Do we start with what? our worst picks in in Wimbledon Cup then? Yeah, let's let's do that. It was the biggest tournament. Uh, second seed Yuji Vesely uh, beat eighth seed Norbert Gombosch six four six four in the final. There, it's the eighth challenger title for Vesely in his career. It, it's been a while since his last one. It's been almost two years since Ekental two thousand nineteen. Uh, takes him up to number 77 in the live rankings. Um, yeah, I, I, I was curious about how this final would go uh, since they like they know each other very well. They've, you know, uh, been, uh, they, they sort of rose at the same time in the futures, even though Gomosh is a couple of years older. So they've known each other for a very long time. And Vesely actually leads the head-to-head after his final 7-1, to one, um, <laughs> which is pretty interesting. Gomosh hasn't, be- hasn't beaten him since 2011. Um, which is quite tough. But yeah, what, what, what did you think of Vesely? I, I felt like his road to the final wasn't the hardest that you'll see in a, in a Challenger 100. Uh, he came back from a set down against Ferreira Silva, then beat Mayo, retirement from Meringue, and then set me in the semifinal. What, what, what did you think of his run there? Yeah, I sort of expected to, to see Meringue win, honestly, against him, but obviously injury. Uh, but then again, uh, well, f- f- first of all, I didn't remember that Müller on the captive was so fast, like compared to what we've seen, maybe not in challengers, but uh, definitely on the main tour in Sofia or Nur Sultan in recent weeks. That was like some some real fast tennis and actually still not too much. Like the, these carpet events, you mentioned Ekental, which was Vesely's previous challenger title. Uh, you know, these events then tend to get you know too too much of the... 
uh, zero to four rallies, and and Muller on the captive was still very enjoyable to watch, and I definitely enjoyed seeing Vesely, who was obviously serving very well. We had this debate like I don't know a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months probably now. Uh, where we kind of talked about what's the best surface of Vesely, because he literally had almost all of his success on clay. And when you watch him play, it just doesn't make sense. And I guess right now, like at, at this stage of his career, uh, indoors, faster conditions is, is where he should shine. And he, and he did. He was only broken three times for the for the whole week. Um, absolutely untouchable on serve in the final. But he, to me, he won the, the match against Gombos basic, basically by being very solid from the game from the baseline. Like b- besides the you know when he got a weak return and he well, was very clean in putting it away. Uh, in in the longer baseline rallies, he was just really really solid. And Gombos just seemed to have like you know that that sort of a brain tick like. After ten, after ten shots, I have to go for broke, and that didn't really work out today at, at all for him. Yeah, it's it's kind of silly because I would say that Gombos is probably the more fit player um, for for longer rallies. So, but yeah, it's just something that's stuck that sticks in your head that like the rally is going long, and I need to I need to end it somehow, and then most of the time it's an unforced error. So. Uh, not a great thing. Well, one thing that we definitely need to talk about, it's Matt uh, Rosenkrantz, who killed my prediction this week. I had Bonzi to win the tournament. I did not see this coming at all. His qualifying run was so bad. He beat two doubles players in the third set tiebreaker. Like, <laughs> yeah, f- saved four match points against uh, Valkov. Uh, who was the first one? Because I can't remember. Uh, Lamans. Uh, Lamans, yes, yeah. They yeah. both play singles quite well, but I mean, obviously, compared to the players Rosenkrantz faced in the main row, they they're nobodies. Yeah, yeah, and and then you know beat beat Bonzi in the in the first round, which was also a surprise because Bonzi was I think up five two or five three in the first set, uh, lost in straight sets, uh, got a retirement from Michael Jack, beat Herbert in the third set tiebreak um, before losing to Gombos. But what a week from Rosenkrantz! Yeah, I mean, uh, he's 23. We basically have never seen him play opponents this good. Obviously, we always had this idea that a guy with such a serve, with such a you know game that he pretty much goes for broke on every single shot, he he can kind of you know have that upset every once in a while. But definitely not three in a row. Well, I guess two because you can you kind of have to exclude Mike Shack, but Rosen you know it wasn't Rosenkratz's fault. He was still playing very well. But the, I think the main shocker here is 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 comparing it to the Qualis run. Yes, that, but that I guess it also makes sense because if you're playing this this game plan, if you're playing this game style, you you essentially are vulnerable to something like that. You can lose to anyone, but you can also win against. Well, not anyone, but I mean, Bonzi is pretty much as good as it gets on the Challenger Tour this year. And it, it wasn't the Bonzi that we've seen in uh, Orleans where he was, you know, or, or Nur Sultan two weeks ago, which, where he was just sort of very tired, gassed after all the all the effort he had this year. And then that was just, you know, just, just the regular Benjamin Bonzi who's been do- so dominant on the Challenger circuit. And then to follow it up with, with that win over Herbert, and the the semi against Gombos, obviously, no, you know, Gombos is no slouch either, and that was that was still a very high quality performance from Rosenkrantz. Maybe you know, right now he should probably get uh, the wild cards to events that are coming in Ismaning and Ekental. Like, obviously, we're not tournament directors, but if if I was, 
Like I, I definitely consider him after that because carpets should also be very suitable for him. And it's not like uh, Germany has, you know, a huge army of, of young talents to give them to like maybe Reberg, Müller. Yeah, there are some, but Rosengrantz is, is definitely a viable choice at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I I would love to see him at at, at the uh, East Money, and, and I can tell I'll be very curious what he does there. I mean, he, he'll probably play qualifying at the very least, even if he doesn't get the wild yeah. card. Um, just a quick note on him: he's broken the top four hundred now uh, for the first time in his career at twenty three. So you know, he- heading up, uh, and I expect that we'll see more of him um, for 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 sure on these fast surfaces. Um, I also wanted to mention uh, Kenny Deschepper, who, who came in as a lucky loser and won a round. I, that, that was pretty exciting, I think. Beat Kamke before losing to, to Gombos in two tie breaks. Uh, certainly wasn't expecting this from him. I, I was expecting him to pretty much just end it this year, probably. Uh, but yeah, anything else that you want to talk about from Muir on Le Captif? Mm, maybe I'll just mention that my pick was Peter Goyovchik, who lost to Denis Novak in the first round. Well, Kind of fair. I mean, the Goyovchik Novak is such a high quality first round of a challenger that you know, I kind of had to expect that it might, uh, it might not go too well for me. Uh, as you said, the Hepper is, is just uh, a great story. That a guy who was 62nd, I believe, uh, at one point was still you know, he even though he was had to play for the ITFs, he kept grinding at it, and he got his first challenger main draw win in like over two years. So like I guess that's also just another guy who loves to play the sport and and it was great to see him playing it so well again. Uh, yeah, and I guess we should uh, we could uh, yeah we could finish Muller only captive at that. Do we go to Barcelona or Naples next? Let's let's do Barcelona where sure. uh, Dimitar Kuzmanov beat Hugo Gaston uh, in the final six three six love. A uh, bit of a surprise, first title for, for Kuzmanov uh, on the challenger circuit. Uh, not dropped a set, he beat Tommy Robredo in the first round, uh, losing just the game. Then Damir Jumhur, Teimuraz Gabashvili, Alex Molchan, and then Gaston. A very impressive run from him. Uh, what did you think of Kuzmanov this week? Yeah, I'm sort of bummed because I've picked Dimitar Kuzmanov like a billion times this year obviously not but like three or at least two right yeah, and it's been a good uh-huh. couple of things yeah yeah we we were always well maybe maybe mostly me but i guess you you appreciated him too and we we are mo- we are kind of talking about him you know that that this state of lacking a challenger title probably won't be uh won't be permanent for him if he keeps playing this well and he did i mean not losing a single set through like when you look at the at the opposition, obviously Gavashvili and Robredo are, are veterans at this at this stage of their careers, but Jumhur and Molchan are, and Gaston obviously are are fantastic wins. Gaston, fourth final this year, uh, he still can't do it, and it definitely seems like some sort of a mental block for him at this point. Uh, before this final, I actually texted a friend that. Um, uh, you know, Gaston has been poor in finals, but I'm not sure if it's enough to see a pattern yet. And yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a pattern. <laughs> Basically, whenever he goes down on the scoreboard, it happened in Rome against Pellegrino. It happened also in um, in Tuln against Moraing. He gets in- incredibly frustrated. There was this one incident where he like slammed the ball, like almost hit uh, a ball kid. Uh, it, it you couldn't really tell from the stream how close the ball were because 
because of the you know dimension uh, perspective the dimensionality but the the bulk it had to kind of duck so so it also got dangerous for a moment there uh but the 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 i guess the worrying factor is just how easily he goes away in these matches he doesn't really now stick around and fight. Yeah. And it also could have been uh, a top 100 debut had he won it. Kuzmanov got to the to the top 100, which is very deserved. But like when you look at it, it's kind of funny that Dimitar Kuzmanov at 28 years old uh, has a challenger title earlier than Hugo Gaston. That's not really you know, representative of uh, of their level, although uh, as I said, I, I definitely thought Kuzmanov ought to have one by this point as well. Yeah, yeah, I mean Kuzmanov uh, top two hundred debut for him next week, uh, as you said. Gaston, yeah, j- just puzzling. I mean, s- such an easy loss here, such an easy loss in in Moln, very easy loss in to, to, to Pellegrino in those final two sets. Um, it, it, it's just like it's, it's almost like he doesn't fight in these finals for some reason, except for I mean, he, he fought against Collage in uh, where was it? Yes, uh, yeah, see, yeah. Um, it's it's very odd. Um, and, and, and we'll see if it's some sort of mental block for him. He he also lost his final to to Rude when he when he made uh the Gestad final, although that's less surprising, he was very much the outsider there, yeah. And he was fighting yeah. there, but just just was outmatched. So, yeah, these three challengers against Pellegrino, Kuzmanov, and Murayink are what's kind of worrying, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it was it was kind of a, a, a like not not all the way dominant run, but he he beat Colarini, uh, then he beat Krutich, uh, six off six two, he beat Alvarez Varona, six two six one. He had a weird win over Muller, 6-2, love 6, 6, love. Um, so for him to lose this easily in the final, he, he, he was my pick. Um, and I was I was quite disappointed uh, by him. Yeah, and he also defeated my pick, which was Alex Molchan, who went to the semis. Honestly, wasn't playing that well. But, but you know, his base level at the moment is still good enough to... Just the just the sole counter punching. He's still excellent and good enough to keep winning points against very good challenger guys because he uh, he defeated Skatov, he defeated Kuhn, and came very close to to taking out uh, not very close because it was straight sets for Kuzmanov. But like Molchan was really in there with a fight. Like they that was that definitely could have gone both ways. So. Yeah, I'm 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 quite happy with with Molchan like this. I was a bit scared that like those couple of weeks that might might have been a fluke. Uh, but to see him not play that well and still win matches, still get to the semifinals here, uh, it's 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 very good for it's it's, it's very good to see uh, him play like that. Uh, it's sort of encouraging to to, to the future, uh, sort of uh, like showing that he has taken that next step and it wasn't just a couple of weeks. Um, anything else from Barcelona? Um, no, probably not. Yeah, also Nikola Kuhn, I guess we, we've talked about him a lot. Had a very solid week, the, the win over Milojevic was definitely great, but I, I sort of expected him to step up a bit, maybe not win, but at least, you know, at least try to um, kind of rattle Molchan's cage or maybe maybe grab a set there, but but it wasn't a great performance. Still, the just getting to routinely sort of getting to a challenger quarterfinal is so much better than anything we've seen from him since 2019. So uh, I'm happy anyway. Uh, I'll just quickly mention that Hugo Gaston has moved up to has moved up to number eight on the challenger uh, race rankings. So that's that's pretty impressive. He, he's, he's fighting for the finals. Uh, 
Group B, yeah, he's, it's, it's going to be very tight down the, the <laughs> down the stretch here. Uh, who's going to make the finals here? <laughs> um, yeah, let's move on to Napoli then, uh, where I did get a point. I was, I, I, I'm very happy to report. How uh, long Greek sport going back to back? I believed in him. You didn't, um, and uh, well, we we all saw how that turned out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he, he, he beat Andrea Pellegrino in the finals, 6-3, 6-2. Pellegrino back-to-back finals. I'm speechless, really. <laughs> not, not expecting this at all. Uh, but yeah, uh, just, just about Greek sports run, he beat, uh, well, he had a retirement from Oklopo in the first uh, round. He came back from a set down to beat Richard. Uh, after that match, I was quite concerned about my pick. Seeing him drop a, drop a set to Richard, I was like, oh boy, that's not looking good. But then he beat Baroni in straight sets. Came back from, from a set down to beat Stefano Travaglia and then this quite straightforward win in the final over Pellegrino. What did you think of Talon Griegsport? Yeah, it's it's pretty funny that both guys made the final back to back, but they were actually playing different events last week. Uh, Talon, uh, as you said, I didn't really know if I can trust him physically to do it. Turns out you could. And well, yeah, as, as you said, the, the match against Richard didn't look that great. But then Moroni is exactly the kind of opponent that can uh, exploit the fact that you are, you know, they are, that your energy levels are are low, that you're kind of gassed. And Talon once again looked gassed against Travaglia, but then produced a fantastic fight back and honestly never really looked like he was going to lose in the finals. Uh, Pellegrino is, it's a fantastic run for him as well. I mean, after the 12 match lose streak that he had recently to just to do uh, two more runner-ups, even uh, you know earlier in the season when he won Rome, I think right now people just have gotten used to seeing Pellegrino around. But b- back when he won Rome, it was so out of nowhere that, that I remember we, we even had that sort of discussion, like who was the uh, the most surprising winner to you at this point? Like that that was maybe in May or June, and I believe you gave Pellegrino as an answer. And right now we we right uh, or am I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think I gave Turnev and uh, like Turnev is nowhere and Pellegrino, we really have gotten used to him and it's 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 still a huge step forward for him to, uh, to, to be here and to be in two consecutive finals, even though his performances in them were kind of off. But, you know, it, it's just super clear that this is a player who has a, such a huge difference of level between playing well and actually you know just not being in form and the win to remember for him will definitely be the one over the Huntsman 6-3 in the 6-3 in the second round that was definitely unexpected the Huntsman was actually my pick uh my pick for the title uh yeah I'll just quickly mention as well Greek sport up to number two uh behind Benjamin Bonzi in the challenger race he's not really challenging uh for for the top spot he's uh, over 300 points behind Bonzi just shows you uh, just how dominant Bonzi has been uh, this season. But, you know, for five five challenger titles this year, uh, which is certainly very, very impressive. Uh, and he's knocking on, on the on the door of the top 100, not quite there. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's about 20 points or something that, he, that he's off, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, 18, I believe. Uh, Mikhail Limer has like 757, yeah. uh, I think, and, and Grigspor has 739. Grigspor was super close, like two, two months ago or something like that. Then then some points started dropping off, but yeah, I think it's clear at the moment. Like, honestly, if you give me Talon Grigspor and Botik van de Zandsgroep, I believe Talon is playing better tennis at the moment. 
even though Botic went to the quarters at the US Open. And it brings me to a point which I didn't really, you know, have a... Uh, you know, uh, I didn't really have a word, uh, uh, you know, some sort of a medium to say it, but it brings me to a point that draws sometimes matter so much. Like Griezmann oh, yeah. reached the f- second round at the US Open and played Novak Djokovic. Like, let's just swap places. I'm not saying that Griezmann would have beaten uh, Schwartzman, for example. We can't know that, but I- I'm saying that Griezmann probably wins the qualies easy. Like you know, in an easier fashion than than Bodic, I guess against Root playing like he did in the second round, he's also in with a very good shot. Like it's all, uh, it's all very random. Like all all I'm saying is that people suddenly, like people don't really get how, uh, how how the average level on the challenger tour how high it is, and like think that okay, if this guy Bodic broke through, then he must be like super good and it's actually you know he, he he had just one challenger title to his name he still has only one challenger title to his name it's whether you break through or not is often very random and this is not a dig at botic in any way it's maybe a, a sort of a compliment to greek sport but also a, a general thought i just wanted to <laughs> uh yeah share yeah i mean th- th- there are so many players that get like a full year in the top 50 or even top 13 some cases off of the back of one run like 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 Nadia Pod- like Nadia Podoroska mm-hmm. yep. who the, the was it semifinals of semi of- and also from the very same tournament Martina Trevisan yeah yeah but yeah Podoroska is still like a top 30 35 player um even though she's done very little outside of that French Open it, 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 it's just funny to see um like, like 36 really wow I I, I was I what yeah. I, I really wasn't expecting that okay yeah and, 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 like, and like before that run she was she was just consistently like like outside the top 100 really uh, for, for most of her career, uh, and, and she's been th- she wasn't thinking to this higher level. She's not really been able to do much with it, but she's still ranked that high, um, as opposed to many other players who are lower below her. So yeah, the the, the ranking system in tennis it's it's kind of odd, uh, where you know the, the, it's it's very dependent on the big tournaments, and the big tournaments are often very dependent on the draw that you get. Uh, so sometimes you you sort of get lucky in that way um yeah should we go to match of the week and episode of the week uh yes i i think i would also like to mention andrea vavasori who has already been told by us to to keep playing singles more this year i don't know you know how it's gonna work out for him and if he's going to do it but he definitely should just looking at how he did in the in the three previous italian challengers it was uh quarters a semi and another quarter and he like came very close to getting a set of Travaglia at least. Uh, he also won the doubles title here, so he obviously shouldn't give up on with Dustin Brown. By the way, he he obviously shouldn't give up on playing doubles. But more singles tournaments in 2022, please, because before that first event that I mentioned, I can't can't remember the names because these are all Italian challengers, so they all get mixed up. Uh, but before that first event in late August, he only had five singles uh, tournaments this year. And like a couple of them were obviously only through, through uh, alternate spots because, you know, the, the list wasn't full. He, he should definitely try to play clay challengers more because he clearly 
deserves to be there. Agamemnone, he defeated him twice in the in these three events, and we obviously we've already talked about uh, Franco Agamemnon and how good he's been this year. And each time it kind of catches you as a surprise, but then he follows it up. He he plays a fantastic match like against Travaglia, and he's just twenty six too. So so it's not a not an age thing either. Yeah, he, he's he's unfor- he's unfortunately not playing uh, the Napoli event next week. Even though he's playing the doubles, he's not playing singles, uh, which is, it's, it's an opportunity mess because he, he gets almost consistently like like he gets consistently good results. Like he's played three challengers, quarterfinal, quarterfinal, semifinal. I mean, why why would you not keep playing uh, those events? It's it's good money. I mean, I, I think relatively to the doubles for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's his choice, but I, I expect to see a lot more of him next year in singles. Yeah. So I guess we have Santiago left to talk about. Uh, yes. So, so, so Santiago, uh, third seed Juan Pablo Barrias won the tournament, uh, ahead of, uh, 50 Sebastian Baez, who was my pick for the win. Very close to getting my 12th point here, but it turned out to be 11 after all. I think it is your 12th points. I think you were up 11 to nine. Am I, am I actually? Hold on yeah, second. because there was that situation when we were not, you 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 led me ten to nine, and then we had a final between uh, our two picks uh, in Murcia, Griekspor and Carbaez Baena, and I would have tied if if Carbaez Baena won, but then oh, he yes. lost, yeah. and then now you're getting you're getting a point from Griekspor again, so you're twelve nine up after this week. Yes, uh, very good. So, um, but yes. His road to the final was um, quite quite difficult, I think. He beat Casanova uh, in the New England Lens in the first two rounds. He beat Gerald Meltzer in the quarterfinals quite easily, 6-1, 6-3. Um, a big win over Francisco Serundolo in the semifinals in three sets. And then he beat Sebastian by 6-4, 7-5. Uh, it's his fourth challenger title for, for Varias, second of the year after one of the uh, BLS, of which we had many. Uh, yeah, over the- I'm not sure which one it was. Yeah, like a f- the fifth, maybe, but pretty could much be, could be, yeah. Um, and yeah, it it it, it takes uh, Barrias to number 128, I believe, in the in the live rankings, which is a a good spot to be. Uh, what did you think of uh, Barrias this season? Yeah, this, I mean, uh, sorry. yeah, he's defending so many points <laughs> like in the next couple of weeks because of his 2019 efforts. He had that crazy run when he won two challengers in a row and then a semi in the third one or something like that. So uh, if I, I looked at it like a week or two ago and it, it, it seemed like he would drop down to 450 points or something like that if he... No, if he didn't make up any for any of that, but he's he's clearly doing that. He was the runner-up in Ambato. Uh, then again here, uh, my pick was Thiago Tirante, who lost to Garel Meltzer in the second round. Uh, I was kind of disappointed by that because he, well, Tirante looked great against Londero uh, in his opener, but then Varias totally smashed Meltzer. Uh, but I'm obviously very glad Varias won because he beat your pick, and I <laughs> I still have some sort of chance to, uh, you know, to get to get to get back to the race before before the season ends. Uh, the semis against Serundolo was certainly a very interesting match where Varias blew like six match points in the second set, 
he recovered very well, although it was getting getting so late, and I think I fell asleep at like three three in the third, honestly. <laughs> so I didn't I didn't see it unfold. Uh, but I did, did obviously watch the final. He uh, was down in both sets. He was down 0-4 in the, in the first and 1-4 in the second. So produced pretty ridiculous comebacks. Uh, Baez was definitely not, not playing as well as he was in the in the quarters, in the semis. Uh, Mena and Jari were, were, were a couple of uh, really dangerous opponents in, this, in these conditions. And Baez had like perfect matches there. And... For yes, you know, the, the, he just peaked a match too early, I guess. Uh, I guess that's all, the, all you can say about him, yeah. Yeah, uh, we should also talk about your pick for, for, for the tournament win. That was Juan Manuel Serundolo. No, that uh, was, I, I just talked about my pick. It was Tirante. Oh, sorry, sorry. Anyway, we should talk about top seed uh, Juan Manuel Serundolo. Who lost first round here, six lost six one to, to Nicolas Kiker. Uh, that was certainly unexpected to say the least. Uh, what did you think of that? Did you did you see it? Did you see that much? Or I I actually didn't see that much. Yeah, I mean me neither. But I mean Serundolo retired with an injury last week, so yeah. I I'm assuming that he wasn't okay. I mean Kiker is playing well, but that's that's a that's a bit too much. <laughs> Yeah, not not that well. I mean, he's 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 back on it uh, next week. So so I'm surprised to see what he's going to be like then. Uh, mm-hmm. if, he's, if he's going to keep playing with this injury, or 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 if it's something something else at play there. Um, yeah. Anything else that we have from from Santiago? I guess a good run for Serundolo, the other one for Francisco. Yeah. Uh, here he's also struggling for confidence. I don't think he's really found his game or anything. I just think it mostly. Um, you know, Lama wasn't really 100% fit. Gautier definitely wasn't. Took took like three medical timeouts. So so I think it kind of, you know, just kind of link. He was able to link together these these victories, not really because he's suddenly back to his 2020 form, but mostly because he was there and, uh, and was able to watch his opponents sort of beat themselves. But you know. Sometimes that's all you need to get the confidence back, these two or three wins, no matter how you actually get them. Uh, yes, uh, match of the week, upset of the week. Yep. Uh, what's your upset of the week, maybe? Yeah, my... I, I, I assume that's going to be the same. Mm-hmm. If it's Robin Tabs over Bonzi, I mean, as, as I said, it, it was just so... He barely scraped through Nathaniel Lemons and Shimon Valkov in the qualifying... Um, was losing 5-2 in the first set, and he came back to win in straight sets over Benjamin Bonzi, who, as I said, has been incredibly incredibly dominant on the on the challenger circuit this year. So yeah, absolutely I, yeah. agree that that's also what the bookies went for, even though there were some exceptionally high scores like Alvarez Varona over Lehechka too. But Rosenkrantz was by far the biggest one. Uh, I did watch the his final round of qualifying match against Valkov. Uh, it was kind of painful to me, but then I was like, okay, so that's where his road ends. I was actually so busy on Tuesday, was it, that they played? I think so, uh, that I could, I didn't even follow results, and I was like scrolling down the list on some, you know, in some future time, 
and I, I just didn't believe what I was seeing, really. I, I had to check it like twice or thrice in order to, to really make sure that this happened. And, and it did. And, and what's even crazier, Rosencrantz confirmed it earlier, uh, later. Uh, and as for much of the week, I here I had a lot more trouble picking, honestly, but I did go for another Max Mats Rosencrantz match, Rosencrantz match against Pierre Gerber. Uh, you just gotta see it to see how good it was honestly that that was really indoor tennis at its finest to me that as i said it, it's 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 quick the surface is quick slick low bouncing but it's not crazy you know it's not as crazy as the carpet ones where sometimes it's just really a bore it's it's still very very enjoyable a lot of net play obviously a lot of great serves and and that was my favorite match of the week probably um, yeah, for, for my match of the week, I think I had some bad luck with like choosing matches uh, this week because like I just didn't see that many exciting matches, unfortunately, uh, with, with with what I was choosing to watch. Uh, but I'll go for Gombosh over Denis Novak in the quarterfinal. Come back from a set down, I thought that, I thought that was all right. Uh, I, I I do enjoy Gombosh, especially on indoor hard. Uh, Gombosh go, go, go is also that kind of player where where it's like you know is 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 he better on clay? Is he better on, on indoor hard? It's kind of like this age-old question that he, I, I mean, I, I bet that he doesn't really know uh, the, the answer to, but yes, uh, Gombosh over Novak in the quarterfinals, that, that was my match of the week pick. Cool. Uh, yeah, so uh, next week, we're actually going to have just three events, a little bit of rest for us, I guess. Uh, okay. Honestly, for me, it's kind of needed, like I, I would love to watch, but just, you know, just covering, just having, uh, you know, having to watch uh, at least uh, partially every single event and then talking about it then writing about it it's a lot so i i'm glad that for this one or two weeks we're just gonna have it a little bit calmer and then november hits you again <laughs> so where do you want to start in alicante or or naples again or santiago uh let's go alicante uh, sure. i'm in intrigued by the by the draw the top two seeds are um two spaniards at the end of their careers uh, top seed Feliciano Lopez, who's 40 years old now, uh, comes into the tournament with a, what is this, five-match losing streak. Uh, he hasn't won since he beat Cressy in the Toronto qualifying. Uh, last time he saw him on challengers was in Segovia, where um, he made the quarterfinals, losing to, to Grenier. Uh, he opens against Roberto Marcora, then uh, potentially Grenier, who, who beat him in Segovia, or Emilio Nava. So either way, that should be a pretty exciting second round. Um, and then he has uh, Vilea Martinez as the other seed, uh, Nuno Borges, Michael Hertz. Uh, yeah, I, I would say overall a, a pretty good section for, for Lopez to start. I feel like he should come out of there. Uh, next section, we have Oscar Ota, uh, the third seed. Uh, he's playing for the first time since his massive uh, fourth round run as a qualifier uh, at the US Open. So it will be exciting to see him back on the challengers. Uh, hopefully he's 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 recovered physically because he seemed to be struggling towards the end of that run there. Uh, opens against Menendez Maceiras, then potentially has Fabiano or uh, Ramanathan in the second round. His other seed there is Dmitry Popko, who didn't have a, a, a good week in Barcelona this week, uh, losing to Martino in the second round, but he, he obviously he's coming off of uh, winning Lisbon two weeks ago. Uh, he opens against qualifier and then Kirian Jacquet or Denis Istomin. Third section, we have Quentin Alice, 
opens against Ferreira Silva. Alize had a, had a nice week, quarterfinal run. Um, and he, and he, he was a setup on Seppi actually in the, in the quarterfinal in Muiron Le Captif. So pretty good week for him. He, he should be doing stuff here again. Um, nice, nice section for him there. He's got, uh, Misha Zverev in here, who is kind of a walking by at this point. Um, Zverev, uh, Vladislav Orlov, um, the other seed is Joao Souza, uh, Mateo Viola and Alvarez Varona. So unless Alvarez Varona has another great upset as he did over Lehechka, it should be a pretty easy section for Alice there. And the final section, Fernando Vedasco opens against Nicola Kuhn, um, which would be interesting to watch. Obviously, big age difference there between the two Spaniards, 16 years. Um, in the section, also, Katsper Juk as the sixth seed. Uh, he's, he's on a three-match losing streak right now, so he'll be hoping to break it against Temuras Gabashvili. Um, also, other guys in the section, Lucas Midler, a qualifier, Constantin and Borna Goyo. Um, yeah, a couple of interesting names here. Um, some guys that I'm quite curious to see, such as Ota. Uh, what do you make of this draw? Yeah, look, just looking at the qualities, we've got also Santiago Rodriguez Taverna, who was grinding quite well in the past few weeks, but then again, hard courts, I don't know. Uh, Daniel Rincon also, the US Open Boys singles champ, but as we as we said, uh, we don't really think he's yet ready for, for the pro level. Honestly, I forgot totally forgot it was hard courts because last year it was definitely on clay. Uh, I think Alcaraz won it over Martinez. That was a great final. Uh, and I was fully ready to go Nicola Kuhn. And um, I mean, Kuhn has a challenger title on hard, but uh, I just don't know if he's there yet. Like my other ideas are honestly Kasper Juk, even though he was kind of losing... And Quentin Alice, who has a very good section. I don't know. There's... Why am I not looking at the top half? I uh, no. This being on hard courts really lost me, frankly. I I had a very clean idea of what was happening, and right now I'm um let's just you know, let's I'm just gonna stick with it. Let's say no, maybe not. Let's say Quentin Alice. Uh, very good section, as I mentioned. Uh, I think he should like his his level from the last few weeks should definitely have him in the semis at least. So so I'm gonna go for Quentin Alice. Um, yeah, I'm I'm also going for for Quentin Alice. I I really like his section. Um, so he, he should be making the the semifinals quite easily. I I was I was looking at Ota. I was looking at Lopez in the in that top half. Um, though I, I kind of want to see Otta before before I believe that, that he's on that level again. Um, but yeah, you know, if, if, if he comes playing US Open tennis, then then he, he should win this tournament. Uh, but yeah, so we're both going Quentin Alice here. Yeah, it's a shame because right now, if you just pick the same guy as me until the end of the year, you're going to win. Yeah, I, I, I will not be doing that on purpose. Uh, I know, for... I know. I, I trust you. No worries. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just want to quickly mention about Alicante doubles. We have a very interesting pairing in Emilio Nava and Fernando Verdasco, which is, which is an interesting uh, pair. They play Sanchez Sitak. And then a, a, a quite tragic one, not tragic one in, in like a bad sense, but David Marrero, uh, the, the, the former top 10 doubles player at 41, he's playing with Druva Mulia, who, who's an American player. He's 20 years old. 
Um, he's not a college player as far as I could find. Oh, he's not. He's horrible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good description. Have you have you like looked at you know how he's doing yeah, in ITS? He's only won one set um, in in his career. In that, that was in in ITF uh, fifteen qualifying. He usually wins between zero and uh, three games uh, in most of his matches. <laughs> so it seems. Uh, and yeah, he's playing with Marrero. He's played with Marrero a couple of times. I don't know how, who, who was this? <laughs> uh, I mean, it was like in 2019 when they got uh, wild cards to Pune Challenger. And obviously everyone was like, what's going on? Uh, he still hasn't won with Marrero as well. Like he's, he's still winless in doubles and in singles. These are six, 36 matches combined, I think, at this point. Uh, and it it just looks like that Marrero started coaching him at some point in 2019, probably towards the end of the season. Uh, but Mulia was also getting wild cards before he started working with Marrero. So, you know, I, I don't want to say buying wild cards, but I'm going to say buying wild cards because that will also explain what Marrero is doing there. I'm not saying, you know, it's it's wrong for Marrero in any way, but if Mulia's parents or whoever was able to, were able to offer him a lot of money for coaching a young guy who's not necessarily a big talent, I don't think it's wrong for him to take it. And he's, I guess he still has fun playing, even though, even in doubles, they, they only got to the deciding set twice. Uh, these were these were both uh, ITFs, so it was super tie breaks, and they lost them both. I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, they're playing Popco FCAF. I guess they could win this. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm just gonna start throwing around allegations now, but uh, but Popco and the FCAF are also definitely on the you know, suspicious players list. So uh, I guess at, at these odds, like, honestly, if you're a bookie, I wouldn't price this much. Marero, Mulia, Popco, no, FCA. No, just, just, just leave it out. It, it's not worth it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, like, uh, Marero actually has played 13 tournaments this year in doubles, which is kind of surprising because I saw him as essentially retired. Um, but yeah, that, that's my bad. He's just sort of fallen off. And yeah, I mean, he, he, it, it seems like he only coaches him a, like like a little bit of the year. Like it, it, it seems to be like, you know, a couple of months here, a couple of months there that they play together. Um, but, you know, if, if he's getting a, a nice bag from from whoever Druva Mulia's parents are, uh, then, then good for him. Yeah, there's <laughs> worse ways to make a living, I guess. <laughs> so just just crazy but yeah we'll, we'll we'll see this first round whether whether Mulia's parents um are are above buying uh ATV points or if they're just into buying wild cards instead uh anyway <laughs> um yes should we go to Napoli uh yeah definitely finally a clay court event which is actually a clay court event <laughs> a, a true clay court event and, and you you know that it's a true clay court event because the top seed is federico coria who would not be here if this was not a clay court event uh he's he he's he's sort of been in a way been away from the challengers for uh a couple of months here uh he he, he reached the final in Bastad, obviously and since then on on hard court it's been a struggle um so I'm I'm curious to see what he does uh, coming back here. He opens against Andrea Andrea Annapoldi, then he has Jacopo Berrettini or Manuel Ginard. 
in a section though is fifth seed Talon Greekspor, who I mean three <laughs> three weeks in a row is probably too much even for Greekspor here. Uh, Greekspor opens against Bajerola, then potentially has cut off in the in the second round. Uh, next section, the top, the two seeds are Slovaks. We have Alex Molchan, the fourth seed, Andre Martin, the sixth seed. Molchan has Mateo, Arna, uh, Mateo Arnaldi, then Dui Aidukovic or Flavio Koboli, which would be an interesting first round match to watch. I think that should be quite fun, although Aidukovic retired last week. Um, and Andre Martin has Mirza Basic and then uh, Justino or Seda Rusic. So, so we might we might have these two guys meeting in the quarterfinals, although I, I just don't trust. Andre Martin at this moment. Uh, next section, we have Uber Gaston plays Franco Agamenone, uh, and then potentially Matthias Borg or Qualifier. In this section, uh, then Bernabe Zapata Miraes plays Andrea Pellegrino, which should be an interesting first round. Zapata Miraes, though, he, he retired um, uh, from his match to uh, Javier Barranco Costano in the first round in Barcelona. So we'll see if he's okay physically. Uh, the winner of that match faces Alexander Muller or Filippo Baldi. And in the final section, we have Marco Cecchinato playing Marc-Andrea Hisler. Winner plays Moroni or Qualifier. And then AC, Tianning Halfman playing Raul Brancaccio. Uh, and then uh, the winner of that plays Jay Clark or Qualifier. What do you make of this draw? Who's who's catching your eye here? Yeah, it's definitely very stacked compared to Alicante. Like players in the qualities are even Fernandez, Ricardo Bonadio, Alexander Richard. These are guys who've been very consistently getting into challenger main draws recently. Uh, Javier Barranco Cosano as well. Well, I guess that's what we get in a you know in a week with just free events. Yeah, and and it's it's the only clay uh, event. Yes. So I mean, yeah, there's Santiago as well, but obviously you need to go to South America. So, yeah. The the only clay event in Europe, I should clarify. A little Uh, bit of an inconvenience. Yeah, I I actually, off topic, but Dimitar Kozmanov is going to South America as well, like in in two weeks, which, uh, yeah, I checked on the schedules, which is an interesting choice. I'm curious to see what he can do there. Uh, But anyhow, getting back to this, Alex Molchan definitely looks promising again. Um, and that's probably who I'm going to, yeah, I'm, I'm picking that on the, honestly, right now I, I haven't, uh, I, I decided not to, you know, overthink it, but just, just look at the draw and see what's, what kind of, uh, speaks to me. Uh, checking out has that tough opener against Wessler. I, I, I'm definitely also thinking of Hanfman, whom I picked last week. Uh, I don't think that was necessarily wrong. But then again, if he plays Cecchinato, he defeated Cecchinato in, in Szczecin this year. Also, it's like Cagliari or something like that. So maybe maybe it's actually not 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 wrong to pick uh, Hanfman here. But I guess I'm going to go for Alex Molchan. I just, I just as I said uh, when we were covering uh, Barcelona, I just feel like he's... You know, his regular, his normal reg- base level just is good enough to be consistently getting these quarters, semis. And if you're getting quarters, semis, maybe you're also going to, to win some events. So I'm going to go with Alex Molchan. Um, yeah, I'm also going for Molchan. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm not going for Molchan here. Um, yeah, I'm going for Federico Coria. He's the top seed, so obviously that's that's a minus point for me for going for the top seed. But yeah, his, but his, it's um, not really a top seed. That's you know, it, it's yeah. not as as if I don't know. Well, I'm I'm lacking an example, but it's not a, if Richard Gasquet comes to play or something like that. 
yeah, I mean, he, he he probably wouldn't win this tournament, and I believe Korea will. Um, but yeah, I mean, Korea's level throughout the summer was just so high on challengers, and like even at Bastad, uh, obviously winning Prostio, final Milan, uh, final Salzburg, and then final Bastad. I I would be uh, surprised if if Greek sport um, sort sort of really troubles him in the quarterfinal. He 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 must be tired at this point. It's it's it's, it's the third week in in a, in a row. He he's he's you know had two titles uh, behind him. Uh, even though he he might be fighting for the top one hundred in the match if 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 he gets the quarterfinal, uh, which would be intriguing. But yeah, I I, I believe that Korea will will have the highest level here um, of of this field. Um, yeah, Korea, Korea for me. Next week we also have Santiago uh, with top seed Juan Manuel, Juan Manuel Serundo playing Julian Lenz. Uh, he then potentially is Pedro Cachin in the second round or wildcard Benjamin, uh, Benjamin Ignacio Torres Fernandez from Chile. The other seed in this section is Sebastian Baez, who's obviously very dangerous, coming off a final in Santiago last week. Uh, Baez faces a qualifier and then either Fikovic or Oliveira. In the next section, we have third seed Juan Pablo Barrias. So we for sure won't have a replay of, of last week's final in Santiago. He faces Facundo Mena to start uh, against whom he has a four to two head to head. This is going to be their seventh meeting already in their, in their young career. So that's interesting to, to look forward to. Um, and the winner of that will face Dalibor Sorcina or a qualifier. Then we have Marcel Tomas Barrios Vera as the sixth seed, plays a qualifier. And, then, and, and potentially another qualifier or wildcard, Diego Fernandez Flores. The bottom half, we have uh, Thiago Sebosch-Wild playing for the first time since his domestic abuse allegations came out. Um, so, so, so he hasn't played since July, and he's been accused of domestic uh, violence by his ex-girlfriend in Brazil and is being investigated uh, by the police. Some suspended or anything like that, unfortunately. So we're going to see him here playing against Chego Agustin Tirante in the first round. He could face either Nicolas Jari or Keral Metzer in the second round. Then we have Juan Ignacio Londero in the seven, uh, as the seventh seed playing Gonzalo Lama. The winner of that faces Felipe Meligeni Rodriguez Alves or a qualifier. In the final section, we have the second seed Francisco Cerundolo. He faces Facundo Diaz Acosta as the, uh, as, as the second seed, then Nick Chapel or Henan Casanova. The other section, uh, the other seed in the section is Enzo Quacon, uh, who is Machos Puccinelli de Almeida, uh, and the winner of that play is Nicolas Kiker or Matias Soto. So we've got um, mostly the same the, the 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 same field from last week. Some added players in here. Uh, what do you think of this draw? Yeah, lots of quality in here, honestly. Like the, all these first round matchups, like Varias, Mena, Londero, Lama, these are guys who all performed very well. Well, Londero, obviously not, but I mean, uh, mostly guys who performed so well in, in recent weeks. Jari Meltzer as well. Tirante, Sabre Will, I mean, how, what do we know about you know, what Thiago can show right now with all the mess he, he's been in? And also, and also, like you know, his form this year was dreadful anyway. So, uh, I, I, I totally forgot that someone like Hernan Casanova exists, honestly. But I, 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 I would really like to watch him because back in the, by, I think it was the 2020 Golden Swing where he had like a really good moment and 
uh, and played very good in in tour level qualies. Uh, uh, come, you know, in qualies, we had Alexis Gauthier, but but he retired to Daniel Antonio Nunes. I guess all, all the you know all the previous weeks sort of taking their their toll on him. Uh, very interesting matchup between the two Amer well, North Americans. Uh, Alexis Galerno is playing Oliver Crawford. I have never seen Galerno play on clay. He did play one match this year in in Challenger qualies as well. Uh, against Ryan Harrison in in Barletta. Uh, yesterday he defeated a Chilean wildcard, but uh, you know it wasn't any sort of a huge talented prospect or anything. Also, I guess the, the match that uh, Shintaro Mochizuki played against Diego Hidalgo is kind of worth pointing out as Mochizuki won three games in that. He, you know, he continues to be very unimpressive in, in his early days as a pro. But coming back to the to the draw, I am, you know, the bottom half is a bit more stacked. So naturally, I would like to avoid that probably. Uh, still don't trust Francisco Serendolo too much. So I, I think, although I don't really like going for, you know, back-to-back finalists but I, I think I would like to steal your pick and go for Sebastian Baez this time I just like the draw a lot with with Serendolo's uh, injury concerns and Pedro Cacin he, he's I think this is going to be his first match since like Poznan right or, some, or something or am I am I just uh, talking crap here no probably not I mean uh, uh, uh yes first match since Poznan so it's been yeah um, almost it's been a while. three months so so I'm also not really expecting him to be a factor although if you if you've been listening to this podcast for for a while then you know that Pedro Kacin was also one of the players that uh that I advocated for early in the season that, that they're way better than than the results but yeah, as a seven dollar and catching are, are likely under under question in injury question mark. So I don't really see anyone that Baez could lose to before the semis. So he unless unless Serendolo is, is healthy. So I would yeah, that that's that's my pick. That seems sensible to me. Yeah, um, bias is certainly a good pick. Um, I certainly see the the upside that, that you're talking about in his draw, and I think that will complete the the pick swap here, and I will go for Francisco Serundolo, uh, because I do quite enjoy his section for him. Coaco um, as as an as a seed, um, I don't really trust him. Although in, in that quarterfinal for Serundolo, it could be Kike, it could be Puccini de Almeida, but I I quite like the section for him. He he was very close to reaching the final last week. I mean, it was a, it was quite a battle in the semifinals. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll I'll go for Francisco Segundolo. Why not? Yeah, uh, as I said, that would, that probably would have been my my second pick. Varias kind of you know, I, I don't, we don't know if he's going to be tired, but playing Mena in the first round is just not ideal if if you're coming off a long week. And yeah, yeah. I'm not going for Tiranta this time because then. That's a fairly comfortable loss to, to Meltzer. He's a bit worrying. Okay, so I guess that's where we're going to stop for now. Uh, yeah, we're going to see you in a week to discuss Santiago, Naples, and Alicante, which apparently is a hardcore event. Spaniards, what are you doing? Okay, <laughs> now we, we're, you know, we love the variety. 
so uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Bye. Hope all of you enjoyed this week's ATP Challenger-centric episode of the Great Shot Podcast. A thank you, as always, to host Damian Kustiakabobro for taking the time to record this week's show. You can read all of Damian's work on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Know for a fact he's got a couple of pieces coming out over the next couple of weeks. We're actually going to have him on the show on Thursday to discuss one of those very pieces. Don't want to give the entire ball game away, but it's something we've mentioned on past podcast we've had him on. He's writing about those guys he thinks are best positioned to make Karatsev-type jumps in 2022. Those veterans we could see go from outside the top 100 to inside the top 50 over the course of the next year. Fascinating thought. Going to be a fascinating podcast that, again, should be on this feed come Thursday of this week. Article will be up on our website before then, so of course you can go check that out at CrackedRackets.com. As I mentioned at the top, Indian Wells recaps each and every day on our mini break podcast feed picks each and every morning here on the gsp feed as well to not miss any of that content just like rate subscribe review to each of our shows wherever you listen to your podcasts of course like rate subscribe review to the cracked interviews podcast as well i wouldn't ask if it didn't help us with the computers with the metrics so if you do have 30 seconds leave a little review on there as well oh i love damien he sounds so handsome Jakob, what a guy gruskin eh. but those two special even if that's your message, we'll take it. So, of course, again, anything you all are willing to do, greatly appreciated, of course. And as always, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, for the f- of an editing job they do day in, day out. With all of that said, for our host, Damien Kustanyaka Babro, our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you know what we say hey great shot and we'll talk to you all tomorrow thanks everyone Mm -hmm.